Welcome back to Chunky Glasses, the podcast, the best podcast ever made in a basement in Washington, D.C., with the help of cats. Uh, all of that, while very specific, uh, is true, so therefore, uh, that last statement must be true. I, I am Kevin, your uh, host as usual. Uh, if you are a longtime listener to this podcast, then you know that basically what we do is we... Uh, Review albums. We do some interviews from time to time, but this year we've definitely so far been leaning heavily on the uh, the album reviews, and we put together a panel of people, and they come in, and uh, sometimes they have different opinions. Uh, more often than not, they have different opinions, uh, and we sit down and talk through uh, a recent release uh, with the goal to to better like uh, contextualize uh, all this entertainment that's coming your way in the music sphere uh, to better guide. Your choices, what you put in your ears. Sometimes, though, uh, albums come out and uh, we have a consensus. Uh, and sometimes something comes out, uh, an album comes out, and we have, uh, it's an important album. Uh, in the case of what we're going to be talking about today, uh, it definitely is that. I'm talking about Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. It's highly anticipated uh, and uh, finally dropped two weeks ago. Rather than jump right into it, though, uh, if you've heard it, you know there's a lot to unpack. Uh, this is, as you'll hear, one of our uh, panelists, Andy Johnson, uh, who does some work with BYT, referred to it as this is a big black album. This is a uh, this is a big thing. Uh, I haven't, I don't recall a record uh, this heavy dropping certainly since we saw started the site. Uh, so took some time with it and finally got together this Saturday. Uh, I think I mentioned Andy Johnson uh, stopped by. First time he's been on the podcast. Uh, Paul was here. He's been gone for a little while. And my friend Marcus Dallin, uh, who pretty much writes for everybody. So if you don't know who he is, look it up uh, and find him on the internet, and you will be shocked and amazed. Uh, so we got together. We, we talked through this album, uh, play a couple of our favorite tracks on it, uh, and sort of try to figure out what this means to us. And... Uh, and yeah, so that's it. That's your podcast uh, that you're about to put in your ears. A lively conversation uh, about politics, uh, music, entertainment, all wrapped into this one album, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. So without further ado, uh, I think we'll just get to it. This is episode number 110 uh, of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Our discussion uh, of Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. Really, two word review. Just a shit sandwich. That right there, he is a one of a thousand. I said, look around me. So many motherfuckers wanna down me. But enemy can never drown me. In front of a dirty double mirror, they found me. And I love myself. I wanna look at me. Tell me what you see. I love myself. Put up in the back of the head and the the Oh, you're a little bit of 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 a 
uh, came over yesterday. Thought I did. this was that. I did. So we sort of done this podcast already bit, in, our, in our heads. Yeah, it's gonna be deeper though. Uh, Paul, good to have you back. You've been out How for a doing? few podcasts. Yep. We got a new dog. This is good. Did get a new dog. Uh, new to the basement, Andy Johnson. Hello. Hello. Uh, you have done some work with BYT, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Rec Room Therapy? Uh, no, I do a lot of concert reviews. Do you? I've, oh. d- I've done one or two of them with uh, Josh and Phil. Okay, very nice, very nice. You do any work anywhere else as far as like writing and stuff? No, I'm just kind of just, just hanging out with enjoying BYT, enjoying life, being friends with Gus. Yeah, he's going. Uh, usually on these podcasts, we tend to like discuss an issue up, um, up front and something in the news. There's some stuff. It's going to be on a later podcast we could get to, but for this one, uh, I think the issue or the news is that a new Kendrick Lamar album dropped. Um, name of the album was To Pimp a Butterfly. It was, I don't know, would you say the most anticipated album this year? One of them? Well, besides Kanye. Besides, well, yeah, and we're going we're gonna to get to right. that too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that this is, he, Kendrick like really took rap in this divergent direction uh-huh. with the uh, Good Kid, Mad City, so... Whatever he was doing next, people didn't really quite know where the angle was going to be, so it's like really anticipated. Right. And a little, a little background, in 2012, I mean, he had like one album before that, a few mixtapes. Yeah, Section 80, uh, the big one. Yeah, and, the and, and then uh, signed a deal with a major label, yeah. the Interscope, uh, after doing some work uh, with Dr. Dre, Snoop right. Dogg. Uh, and then in 2012, uh, came out with Good Kid, Mad City, right. which uh, I, I think was... I guess some people were expecting something like that. I know when I heard it, it sort of blew my mind. It was like, what, what the shit is, is this kid on? Um, clearly uh, operating on another level. Um, so it, it was, like you were saying, a little unclear what was going to happen with this one. Mm-hmm. That was going to be a tough follow-up. I mean, we were talking a lot about swimming pools yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that song, you know, the use of multiple narrators in the song, his internal voices and stuff, uh, something sort of unheard of in this genre. And right. uh and so when this dropped a week early, uh, I think what we got is a weird, almost jazz. Uh, I, I don't know if I've heard anything really like it uh, so far in, well, easily a decade. Well, there were, the, when I first heard the control verse, which is, uh-huh. you know, he kind of was challenging everyone and himself to bring it to the next level. So right. I was expecting next album be very good mm-hmm. and he also did track with flying lotus last year mm-hmm. and the, he of course has kind of the jazzy type style so i was, I was kind of i was expecting something like the, some jazz influence and flying lotus does an album on a track and Sundercat does a few uh his he does lyrics and bass for a few tracks yeah. but oh man i wasn't expecting anything like this no. it's just like a whole huge it's a big black album. Yeah. It's like funk and jazz and soul and rap and happiness and anger. It's just massive. It's epic. It's an epic album. Yeah. It's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, this, I don't know if this is an important point. Like, where were you the first time you heard it? I was sitting in a hotel room in New York City. Yeah. And it leaked on like iTunes but then it didn't leak yeah. then, it was, <laughs> then it was on Spotify so I was listening to it on Spotify in a hotel room while I was trying like like the basketball um the the all the seating had come out yeah. and that was so it was kind of like chaos and Twitter was like what's going on and it was just wild yeah yeah I mean I was uh, like I was telling you Marcus I was driving down the road 
Uh, I know it leaked. I actually sent him an email immediately. You apparently had already been notified. Yeah, like I got a call. Like I have a random connection with somebody who's like connected to TDE, and he called me. And he's like, "You're not doing any social media right now." I'm like, "I'm asleep." And he's like, "Well, the album dropped," and I'm like, "Oh, was this planned, unplanned?" He's like, "No, the album's out, and you know, it's like it's available." So like I kind of like searched for it and found it and downloaded it on my phone. And I was laying in bed, listening to it on my phone mm-hmm. at two thirty in the morning, which is the best time to get hit with a blast of like <laughs> yeah. black empowerment. Is two thirty in the morning, laying in bed, and you're just kind of like you're already kind of tired, you're already kind of hazy, and then it's like you're kind of a wolf. Sunday morning as well. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> all of these like sounds are kind of like floating around, and the words are like poignant and powerful, and you're just like, I'm gonna have to listen to this again when I'm like actually awake. And yeah. I think I've heard the album now, like, God, it's more like upward of over 20 times. And it's like, it, it just gets deeper every time you hear it because it's like you unpack more stuff right. in it. So, and, yeah. there, and there is a lot to unpack. I think um, if you just want to talk about the, the musical side of things, like you were saying, this is a big black album. It is a history of, of like soul, of funk, and all this stuff. Um, one thing we were talking about yesterday is how artists have come up uh, sampling stuff. And you, and you always can pull choice samples. And there are some samples on this, but in large part, this album is actually played by musicians uh, who, like, I don't know to my ear that anything like this has been done. And it feels almost like a triumph. The whole album feels like a triumph, I think. But if you look at all the ways that people can create and use samples to do all this, and all the hindrances to get in that way. And then, but now somebody's finally figured out and laid out a blueprint for everybody to say, well, no, you can just go out and play it. Which is one way it's, it's like super important. It's like what you were saying today. It's like nobody can look uh, at this and say, well, I can't do that anymore. No, you can't. Like I was saying, I think that it's, impo- it's impossible if you're an artist to say, oh, I can't make a perfect record anymore because like now it's like okay well records don't sell like we've convinced everybody that music mm. doesn't sell and that you know the record in, the industry is depressed so it's like okay if the industry is depressed and you're not trying to sell records then well what's like the what's holding you back from making like a non-commercial album that accurately expresses what you're thinking as an artist to its fullest extent i mean this is like the first record i think that really nails it like Bam, like I'm going to get all my friends who play all the best instruments and we're all going to like sit down and think heavily about all of these issues. I'm going to hit blues, funk, jazz, soul, R&B, everything and just like drum it into people, but not in a way that's like, oh, my God, public enemy. But it's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to like talk to people because you can't do public enemy anymore. It's 25 years past, you know, it takes a nation of millions. So you can't be aggressive about it because like, you know white people can understand the black experience better. And I feel like everybody can understand the black experience better because black culture is pop culture now on so many levels. There's a reason why this album sold 600,000 or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Run the Jewels album, which sell, has some of the similar topics, only sold like, like 50,000 albums. Well, the Run the yeah. Jewels album was actually available for free. <laughs> yeah, they put it out for free. It was available for free. That is, that is true. <laughs> but, but you're right. The Run the Jewels record is like, yeah, wake up. Well, so and then, well, that, that was one of your uh, favorite albums of last year, Paul. Yeah, it was, and you know, I even putting it on the the top list, I put it too low. Like if I was if I was redoing that list, it would yeah. be top five at this point. Like I absolutely love that album, but yes, it's that is more in your face. Like and there's uh, 
I, I think with the with the Kendrick album, as as you were saying, Marcus, there there are a bunch of different layers, and you can you can take each track individually and hear the messages, and then you can take them in sets of two or three, and you can take the whole album and get different things out of it every time. Run the jewels. You hear, you hear that the first time, <laughs> and you know exactly what they're saying. Well, <laughs> and then you want to listen to it another hundred times, but still. Well, and, and, and what uh, we were saying on that year-end podcast was that it didn't make mine because that felt too aggressive. And I just wasn't like really uh, – I, I wasn't prepared for an album that would make you feel that way. Yeah. And so I heard it, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And, and I didn't feel like threatened per se, but it was just like, damn, that's really fucking aggressive. But uh, like you, if I went back now, that would be like number two. Yeah. Like uh, that's just so far up there, and it's such a, like a, a different kind of achievement. Yeah. Um, you know, with this – uh, like you said, you can um, you can take it as a whole. Uh, it's interesting because people. It, what was the first single? I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that came out, and people were sort of like, some people liked it, some people don't, which is sort of ridiculous because that song is is fantastic. But the album, like these things, service this like grand statement that he's trying to make, which it is a very important statement, and we'll get into. Uh, at the same time, I think servicing uh, the, I guess, the culture from where it came, the rap culture from where it came, so you have these stuff, and you could drop that in a club. Yeah. And you wouldn't know if you had never heard the album, the context where that falls and why it's important. And it's it's something, uh, and correct, if you guys disagree with this, it's something that seems unique to this album, or as opposed, like, artists will make just a single, they're like, we know this is going to hit in the club. Suppose that this fits, locks into all this stuff and still does it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I is like, it's funny because none of these singles are like intentionally. Okay. So like you make music now that's like, I'm going to intentionally make a, a, a hit single. Like I listen, I, I always compare it to like the Tyga and Chris Brown album. Yeah. Cause the Tyga and Chris Brown record is like, they went into the studio and they're like, we're going to make four radio tracks. We're going to make two tracks that are meant for DJs who are playing in top 40 friendly clubs. And it was very like democratized in that way. Like we're going to do this, 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 and this. With the Kendrick record, it's like, we're just going to make really fucking great music. We're going to go in, we're going to make like all this music and we're going to like organically produce things that make you feel. And if you care to dance, you can dance. If you don't want to dance, you don't have to. But like something like I, it's funny, like I comes out as the first single because of the music that they made. That just happened to be the one single that's the most, like, pop-friendly. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, and it, but it's not like they intentionally went in like, this is our radio single. No. Well, they did release a single version of it, and then they were, they, and on the album version, it's like a live one, and then midway through it, there's like a fight in the crowd, and mm. there it can be, every single album is mean one or two things, so yeah. it can be... You can be like a rapper in the club and or performing, and there's like a fight, which does happen. And it could be, or it can be the response, the the mixed response that he got from I, which was weird. It was a weird song that came out. You, I wasn't expecting it from Kendrick. It did grow on me. I do enjoy I now, but he he was such an aggressive rapper and such a unique rapper having such a positive song that sampled the Isley Brothers it right, was right, it right. was a but bit weird actually we talked about it. it i don't think it sampled him it used part of the yeah. band here's what's funny though with that single is that it's really not it's like it's not positive it's like really aggressively 
like pro black in this way that like yes it's hooky and it's, it's hook driven definitely because we got the big Isley Brothers thing in there but it's like it's really aggressive in this sort of like sort of passive way that like I think that I think that's what rubbed a lot of people the wrong way about it is that they hadn't heard it in context with the rest of the album so it's like okay he's just being happy but when you hear it in context with the rest of the album yeah. at the place where it's at the album it's like it's this euphoric message of like I love myself after I've explored everything about black yeah. culture mm-hmm. and I've like dredged myself and I've like left myself open to public opinion. And now I'm like, I can close it all up and say, I love myself. I love everything about me as a black person. You touched on something that I think is very important about Kendrick. Kendrick Lamar is the only rapper I know who has the best track, the best sequencing in the album, like this and good Sid, good kid, mad city yeah. and to yeah. a lesser extent, section 80. Right. He's it's wonderful. It's it's a narrative driven album. Yeah, yeah. And you don't really see that anymore. It's typically just track after track, and there can be some type of narrative, but nothing like this, like a story right. of redemption. Because yeah. a lot of a lot of um, messiah type um, martyrdom that you see in the album. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, throughout the album, there, there's a there's sort of a. Uh, a path of like these poems he reads that keeps growing mm-hmm. and stuff that actually culminates in I, yeah. and then the track after that, Mortal Man, uh, which uh, there's a lot to unpack on that one. But <laughs> um, yeah, and it's interesting. I think as a as a writer uh, right now, he's probably peerless, uh, and I, I don't mean just in hip hop. I mean in like hip hop, whatever you want to put it in. I mean, there's very few times where you will put on like we said you can pull these singles out but where you'll put on an album and you you sort of have to sit down and listen to it i can't jump in at any point in this album and be like okay i'm, I'm good with that listen to it and i can't listen to it uh just in the background i know paul because you were listening to it like at work a lot or no, were you no 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 no, no. <laughs> no um no i listened to it on headphones mostly okay. like no i uh I'm not particularly comfortable like turning my speakers up at the office. <laughs> it also is not exactly conducive to do to uh, writing to. You have to actually pay attention to it. It's uh, yeah. just like you were saying right there. Something I, I, I kind of wanted to come back to when we were, when you guys were talking about I that goes into the contextualization. I agree 100 percent about it taking on a different meaning in the context of the album. But I thought it also took on an interesting uh, an interesting set of meanings when the second. Uh, single that was released was the black or the berry because a mm-hmm. lot of the a lot of the criticism I think of I goes out and wins a Grammy it sounds a little bit lighter divorced from context you're kind of going is this what Kendrick's whole new album is going to sound like and then to have the second single be the black or the berry <laughs> then you're just like okay I have no idea where he's going but it's not right. where people thought he might be it's, off of that first one <laughs> it's it's funny and now that you mentioned the Grammy thing I was thinking about that this morning it struck me I was like you know just getting prepared again to do this and I was like wait. Okay, so this is the great magic of Kendrick's entire like rollout of this album. It's like I is released just in time to be nominated for the Grammys. And it's such a, a jazzy, happy thing that when you put it in front of Grammy voters, I'm a Grammy member, and uh-huh. everybody else who's a Grammy member is like not me. Like I don't like I don't know if anybody else here is a member of Grammy or yeah, seen no. people. Okay, so like Grammy's a club. When you think about it at the end of the day, it's like you can sign up to join the club. It's a hundred dollars a year. And it's like becoming a member of like, you know, kind of like whatever fraternal club you're a part of. And you go in and you talk to these people. And these are like people that like music that's from like 1940 to like 1980. And it stays in that box. It's a lovely box where like R&B sounds like this. Rap sounds like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and like if 
And he put out this record and it's got the Isley Brothers thing in there. So it's got all this stuff that catches these Grammy people like by the ear. And they're just like, oh, Kendrick, we like him. We know he's important. So we want to vote for him because we know he's good. And we want the people to believe that, okay, we're like relevant. We're aware. And then it's like, oh, but it's a song that's got the Isley Brothers too. So we can feel like we're actually, he, he's, he's, he's doing something for us. And it wins. And of course it's going to win. Yeah, His yeah. team knew that this song was going to win. And then, of course, to like slam the door in Grammy's face in like the rudest way humanly possible. The second single is The Black or the Berry, which is like this like truly like it's the most public enemy, like pro-black aggressive song on the album. And it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's 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 really smartly done how they mm-hmm. rolled that out. Like this thing is going to win. And then this next thing we're going to do is just like. Well, we, we got our Grammy now, so thank you. Like, appreciate it, but <laughs> let's go ahead and no thanks. Let's go ahead and take a listen to the Blackberry now. I'm caught in my feelings, I know that you feel it You sabotage my community, making a killing You made me a killer, emancipation of a real nigga Another slave in my head Institutional lies Manipulation and lies Reciprocation of freedom Only live in your eyes You hate me, don't you? I know you hate me Just as much as you hate yourself Jealous of my wisdom And cards I dealt Watching me as I pull up Fill up my tank They pill out Muscle cars like pull-ups Show you what these big wheels about Black is successful This black man meant to be special Cat scans on my radar Bitch, how can I help you? How can I tell you I'm making a killing You make me a killer Emancipation of a real nigga I'm a man, I said I'm with me, I'm a man, 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 I'
February like it's my B-Day Or eat watermelon chicken and Kool-Aid on weekdays Or jump high enough to get Michael Jordan endorsements Or watch BET cause urban support is important So why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street When gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me Hypocrite So that's like what you're saying Like the the mo- most aggressive song on the album. Yeah. Although, I actually want to play another song, which I think is hilariously more aggressive uh, in, in, a, in a few seconds. But yeah. um, for me, that, that last line of Hypocrite unlocks uh, the whole album as a whole. I mean, what we were talking about earlier is how this is, first and foremost, an, an album about the black experience in America. Um, and... I can see that. And what I was saying to you was that, yeah, but then you get to that song and all of a sudden it opens it up and it's like, hey, everybody, like, come in. Well, it, it's funny. It's on two levels. It's like, okay, number one, like, I, I, I'll, I'll say this and hopefully everybody that listens to this will, like, get it. Like, black people are super hypocritical. We are. We just have to be. Because, like, you know, like, being black in this country, like, we have to, like, accept everything as something that we have to accept because we're, like, at bottom in theory so it's like there's nothing that we can't take so it's like you have to be hypocritical like we have to like think that this is great but we also have to accept this as well we have to think that maybe this is interesting we don't have that position for being on top where we can kind of like look down and go i don't like this i don't like that i'll take this we have to take everything so it makes you kind of hypocritical because it makes you schizophrenic but um as well like you know everybody else now because black culture is so ascendant you have to, like, if you're hilariously racist, in 2015, you're, like, largely irrelevant in a lot of ways because mm. so much that's, like, direct and in your face and part of, like, the general cultural conversation is inherently black. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's just what it is. So you become hypocritical as well. So it's intriguing when you say that because it's, like, that one line, again, it opens up the whole record. Now you have to listen because everybody knows somebody or you know that yourself are completely hypocritical right now in this bizarre way that, you know, people have never really been forced to be hypocritical before. Yeah. And I mean, everything leading up to that is, uh, I mean, if you listen to a song like how much a dollar costs and stuff, again, I mean, this is infused with his politics, um, much in the same way that D'Angelo's album was, um, and stuff, but to have it get to that violent point and then just end with that. And I, as two songs later, it's it's a masterful like sequencing thing, and it's a masterful like he's built his case. Uh, 
One of the ways I think he actually, I mean, the, every song on this, like for me, is a hit. But uh, the one, if we're talking about singles and stuff, something that will never hit the airwaves, <laughs> <laughs> but is is genius because it it uh, brings you in more so than Wesley's theory is the song for free. Uh, so we're going to play a little, actually it's short, so we'll just play the whole damn thing. But, uh, this is easily the best song I've heard in 2015. Uh, so for free. Like I never made ends meet, eating your leftovers and raw meat. This dick ain't free. Living in captivity, raised my cap salary, celery, telling me green is all I need. Evidently, all I see was spam and raw sardines. This dick ain't free. I mean, baby, you really think with a mega baby name Mercedes without a Mercedes Benz and 24 inch rims, 5% tinted air conditioning vents? Hell fucking no. This dick ain't free. I need 40 acres in a mule, not a 40 ounce in a pit pool. Bullshit. Not a door, not a door, had a door knocking. Let him in. Who's that genitals best friend? This dick ain't free. Pity the food that made the pretty and you prosper. Titty juice and pussy lips kept me obnoxious. Kept me up watching. Pornos and poverty. Apology, no. Watch you politic with people that's fortunate like myself. Every dog has his day. Now doggy style shall help. This dick ain't free. Matter of fact, you need interest. Matter of fact, it's nine inches. Matter of fact, see your friendship based on business. Pinching more pinching. Your pinching my consensus. Been relentless. Fuck forgiveness. Fuck your feelings. Fuck your sources. All distortion. If we fuck, it's more abortion. More divorce. Course and portion. My check with less endorsement. Left me dormant. Dusted. Dude, disgusted. Force with fuck you. Fingers and more shit. Porcelain pipes. Pressure. Busting twice. Choices. Devastated. Decapitated. Divorcement. Oh, America. You bad bitch. I picked cotton and made you rich. Now my dick ain't free. I'm gonna When I first listened to the, this song, I didn't yeah. take it as if there were women try, falling all over themselves to get Kendrick, although I'm sure it definitely yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, in fact, even Taylor Swift was like giving props to this album when it came no, out. Which all was, the time! Which, yeah, and she's done it in the past. Yeah. But She's dating Calvin Harris right that's, now. That's, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> but I saw it as to connect it with the album title Pimp a Butterfly, yeah. I saw it as the media was demanding so much from Kendrick after in the wake of, of Good Kid Man City success and all of his um, guest spots that he's done, all of his successful guest spots mm-hmm. that he's done, and they just want more and more out of him, and the dick ain't free. Like he's got, <laughs> it's his dick. He can do what he wants. He can piss where he wants. And, and that's uh, that's what's genius is that it does work on on what you're talking yeah, about, Marcus. It's the same with the the blown the leaves thing. Where like yeah. blown the leaves, but works both ways too. Because I mean, there's like at the beginning of that record, there's this whole kind of like you know loving hip hop style, like you know black female angst thing working in there with you know like kind of like the groupy aspect of like yeah like these women are all around me and all they want is my dick but my dick ain't free like you right. give me something other than like what you're trying to give me then to like make this worthwhile like for me and you like yeah. it's i mean it's 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 crazy it's like 
for I feel like in the in the lifespan of a rapper, you go from like women wanting everything from you, and that's where you learn about how to deal with the press wanting everything mm-hmm. from you, and like your fans wanting everything from you, because it all starts when you're a rapper or when you do any kind of musical endeavor. All you generally want, like you can ask any person, any band. I just want girls to think I'm cool. Yeah. And then every girl thinks that you're like the coolest dude in the world. And then you stop and you go away. You're like, wait one second. This dick ain't free. Mm. Like, oh shit. Like, what do I do? Like, and then, you you know, kind of like continues the arc of like, then you go from that to like the press wants everything. Then your fans want everything. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, but it all starts for me when it comes to rap from like that point of like, all these hoes want me. Right. What the hell? Like, you know, you go from there. So it's it's intriguing just to see that. And, and so, I mean, this, this isn't a new sentiment. Then, right. But it's like it he perfectly summed up like nobody's put it that way. Yeah. Just like this dick ain't free. Yeah. Like, OK, whatever. And it's amazing. I mean, we're talking about one song. Right. That unpacks so much about like mm-hmm. the industry, like what he's doing um, and his experience in it and everything. Uh, sort of amazing. The. The next song, though, on the album, uh, I think, is, is that a single yet, King Kunta? I think it either will be or, or will not be. But before we, we go to that song, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about his technical ability on this thing? Sure, it's yeah, It's incredible please. how he just, he's, he's like scatting, but rapping over mm-hmm. like the, the free jazz flow. Like, like how many rappers can be that precise like nowadays? None. None. <laughs> like, maybe, like maybe Eminem in his heyday, but yeah. like that was definitely. But he's not ago. trying to even do that anymore. Yeah, no, like, no. There's no rapper. It's funny. With this record, there's so many parts of this album. There are no other rappers trying to do this stuff. Agreed. He is the only one who's like, okay, well, here's like, I feel like this record as well is great because Kendrick like wrote on a blackboard, I feel like every problem that rap has right now. That like on a critical level, on a fan level, on his own personal level, and he's like, okay, so like nobody really raps anymore, and that was the whole basis of the control freestyle was mm-hmm. like nobody's rapping. Wait, so all you guys are my friends. I'm only gonna name my friends on this record, and I'm gonna tell all of my friends that I think that none of you are really rapping because you're my friends, and I have the right to say that. But I'm gonna also gonna put out a record that's gonna go worldwide because hell, we're friends, so. When and it's funny when Drake has the beef with Kendrick now because the whole thing is based around the fact that like he feels like he didn't get a call beforehand before Control came out to tell him, "Hey man, I'm about to call you out on a record that's gonna go worldwide." <laughs> you know, like he's angry about that, but like Kendrick's like, "No, I'm gonna tell everybody." Or you could just do better because he didn't call out Killer Mike and then he gave Killer Mike props on this. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah. like, if you're actually doing it right, you're exactly fine. Exactly <laughs> right. It's funny. So like you know, that's the thing. It's like he got on his blackboard. He's like, okay. Rap is black culture, so this is part of the record. So I get to, like, address everything that rappers are doing right now, and I'm going to do it in a way that, like, every other rapper can listen to this record, too, and be like, oh, okay, I forgot I could do that. I forgot that jazz was a part of a thing that we could sample, that we used to always sample jazz. And mm-hmm. we can, and if you rap over a jazz sample, you have to use double-time flow and scat and stuff. And, oh, I forgot I could do that. Well, I mean, like you were saying, uh, hip hop went in sort of a dark ages where it was just everybody was just like, we're just doing shit to make money. Because there's so like, much the money. Art went out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I think, uh, with uh, Run the Jewels and somebody uh, we haven't talked about yet, Chance the Rapper. Um, I, I know Mark's answer, but uh, you guys, like, what do you think this means for Surf? Because Surf was very much going to be this jazz hybrid uh, Chance the Rapper album. And then all of a sudden, you have Kendrick's album that perfects it. I think there's room in the space. Oh, there's, for there more. certainly like, is. It's not like 
It's not like, oh, well, Kendrick did jazz and now Chance the Rapper, who needs that album? Mm. Like, he's going to take a different angle on it. The two of them are coming from completely different backgrounds, completely different uh, perspectives on the industry and their own art form. Mm. Like, I'm still excited to see what Chance does with his album. Yeah. I don't think Chance Rapper's going to release a song like Black or the Berry. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Seems unlikely. His fan base wouldn't get it. Like, we were talking yesterday. Like, Chance the Rapper's fan base. I would base. love for him to do it, though. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chance the Rapper's fan base are like 19-year-old kids, for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. And 19-year-old kids, intriguingly, all have like this kind of like general historical background of like growing up in an era where race literally didn't matter. Like, to them, in their minds, like, everything that ever, like, occurred in a different generation that was racially based, race just evaporated from the conversation. I'm sure they don't know the entire, um, what King Kuta means in context. Right. No idea. Like, I mean, if you ask the 19-year-old about, like, the, so have you ever seen Roots? <laughs> Like, what? And it's like, and then you have to say <laughs> to them, like, Paul, have you and then you're like, and then you're yeah. like, oh yeah, dude, and like, Forger's in there. And he's okay. like, LeVar Burton, right? <laughs> LeVar Burton's in Roots. They're either like Commander LaForge from <laughs> Star Trek or the guy who did Reading Rainbow and has the Kickstarter. Yeah. Right. Like, no, not Kunta Kinte. You know, that doesn't pop to mind. Yeah. I, it's, uh, Let's hear, let's hear a little bit about that. I think that, and I've heard, uh, I was talking with Quinn about this. Uh, this is, to my mind, one of the ultimate like shit-talking tracks of all time. And it's just like, well, oh, okay then. Uh, but let's hear a little bit of I don't want you True friends. One question. Where you and I was walking. Now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him. Kunta, black man taking no losses. Oh yeah. Bitch, where you and I was walking. Now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him. When you got the yams. What's the yams? The yam is the power that be. You can smell it when I'm walking down the street. Oh yes we can. Oh yes we can. I can dig rapping. But a rapper with a ghost rider. What the fuck happened? Oh no. I swore I wouldn't tell. Tell, tell, tell. But most of y'all share bars like you got the bottom bunk in a two-man sale. A two-man sale. Something's in the water. Something's in the water. And if I got a brown nose for some gold, then I'd rather be a bum than a motherfucking ball. Oh yeah. Bitch, where you and I was walking. Now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King Kota. Everybody wanna cut the legs off. King Kota. Man taking no losses. Oh, yeah. Bitch, where you and I was walking. Now I run the game, got the whole world talking. King Kota, everybody wanna cut the legs off. When you got the yams. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, break out the roller skates. That, that's a, I mean, that is, like, you have what you just said, a Black Power anthem, which it truly is. And, but, you know, do the limbo. Yeah. Um, it's funny you said that, because, um, when I first heard the record, I like went like on Facebook and Twitter, and I, I like lost my mind for a little bit because I was mad because like, okay, so like every so I read like on Stereo Gum, I'm gonna call it out Stereo Gum. Like there's a review of the single, and, and it mentioned like Parliament Funkadelic inspired, and I'm like, wait, okay, so this means that like, okay, so I get it. It's like Bootsy Collins like, guitar riffs, but like before Bootsy was in P Funk, he was in the JBs, and he played on Big Payback. 
which that song like directly like samples large snatches of James Brown's vocal inflection from that track. And I'm like, wait, so this means it's funny. This gets back to that point about, um, you know, like kids not really getting it. Like this means that like James Brown doesn't exist for somebody who is of a certain age bracket and of a certain age range and of a certain understanding of like musical influence, like James Brown, like the guy who owned this whole thing is like art. This whole thing is built around him, like his samples, his music. Mm-hmm. He doesn't exist but because like P-Funk's a little bit later. P-Funk exists. So George Clinton's on this album. Yeah, of course George's on the album, yeah. right. So, but it's crazy to me that they're like, okay, so you have this beautiful track and everything, and you're just like, okay, so like the, the, the actual thing that it's based on, just gone from culture. And so like Kendrick goes back and he's able to like grab that thing. It's, there's so many things. It's like we talked about the Ralph Ellison reference on this, on this record. All these pieces of culture that are like, almost out the door and you didn't know they were almost out the mm-hmm. door. Like I would have never thought there would have been a time in history where people would forget who James Brown was and everything that he had done and like stuff that he had created. And like Kendrick, before he leaves out of the door, Kendrick's like, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to grab Ralph Ellison. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grab James Brown. I'm going to grab roots and I'm going to pull them back into the room because they can't go anywhere. And it's, it's kind of brilliant to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that, that sort of gets gets to a point because there is a lot of stuff like the roots thing. Like you, kids aren't going to know that. So how how many people are going to know about who Richard Pryor is and about <laughs> how his life was all, like ruined by doing drugs? And interesting thing, the Richard Wright. I saw I, I one of my favorite books is Things Fall Apart. So yeah. I got the end reference from that about how to in the the, me, the immediate song was for sale about how women can bring you down mm-hmm. about how Richard Pryor was brought down by drugs and women Bill Clinton interesting reference for that yeah, yeah. Quote, well, Bill's quote, the first, first black, black president, president yeah, right? yeah <laughs> how he, yeah. he was um, Bill's gotta be here about his career was plagued with infidelity and marital charges it's just mm-hmm. anyone who tries to who tries to and to go back another song with Wesley's theory anytime a prominent black man in his early 30s or so on does anything gets gets ahead of the game mm-hmm. he gets brought down by tax evasion yeah women drugs or even not even that then or just his fans will go turn against him at some point saying the tds are changes or he's getting too old or he's not not bringing it anymore he's sold out sold out yeah, the exactly. man. yeah yeah uh I mean, do you think this? How did anything is besides sales, which have been phenomenal? I think it was the number one streamed album mm-hmm. on Spotify. Nine point six million streams. He broke the record. Jesus, he broke his own record like two or three <laughs> times over. Yeah, <laughs> but the first week, and no, it was funny because Drake's hit like seven point four, and that was like the big record this year because yeah. all the all the Spotify records are great because they break, they fall every week. So it's like it's like okay, Drake hits seven point four, and that's a big number. And then it's like Kendrick comes out and hits almost ten million streams of the album, like. Okay, you know if that's just amazing. it makes fifty two cents for it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay, we were talking about how um, it's funny you mentioned that because there's so much about this record that's great because Kendrick is cheap. He's like the cheapest. I love that about Kendrick. He's so cheap. Like he lives in a five hundred thousand dollar house. He doesn't spend money. He's very conscious of the fact that like he has to save all this money because. There's not a lot of money that you're making off of music these days. So like Well, it it also gives him the freedom to do things like this and even hopefully 
weirder stuff in the future. Yeah. Because it's when you buy into the whole lifestyle and you have to start maintaining the lifestyle, the entourage, the house, the cars, things like that, that you start going, man, I, I actually don't have a choice of whether or not to do what the record company is telling me to do. I have to, I have to tour. I have to make the club banger. I have to do the things that are going to put, put enough money into, into my bank account to keep maintaining the lifestyle. But if you're living relative, not simply, but if you're living well within your means, then that's not, then then that mode of control isn't really there. Well, to, to that point, I mean, this is, this is a major label record. Like, how do you think it made it through System. I mean, I can see this. It obviously had total creative control. Yeah. There's no no fingerprints of anybody like a lot of records in Interscope have been like that. Like Lady Gaga was also allowed to release art pop because she was on Interscope. So that gives you an idea of the level of creative freedom that artists have at Interscope now, which is kind of mind blowing. That is. <laughs> well, it's also he's also at the level though of like we want to be in business with you, right. and <laughs> if, if, if if Kendrick's message is. I'm going to do what I want to do, or I'm just not going to do an album for you. Then you say, okay, yeah. <laughs> do your album. Is this, do you think, um, do you think it was selling because it's just like Kendrick Lamar, it's, it's a pop thing or because it's not, I mean, it's clearly not a pop album. I think this is, this is a very important album. Um, and, but the sales have been through the roof just because uh, maybe the genre that's in, I don't know. It's weird. I think this is like one of those times where it's like a triumph of like journalism. Um, Andy, you can probably speak to this too. I don't know if you can speak to this as well. But there's certain times when you as a journalist, you join together with every other journalist you know, and there's a record that you really, really like. And it happens to be by an artist that is very, very relevant. And you can just – and when you tell all the people, listen to this, buy this, make this a thing you do, then it's like – and it just – the 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 numbers just soar because it's like there's this giant critical push behind it and yeah. in the internet era where you could say anything or do anything when everybody says the exact same thing then it's like okay i haven't found a hole in this record there isn't like one reviewer out there that's like hold on a second out here now this is not a good record right. i think that all of you are full of shit and like no everybody's just kind of like yeah this is great and here's why when everybody gets behind it and it's like the industry then gets behind it like the writers are behind it the fellow musicians are behind it if you're a fan of taylor swift taylor swift on social media is like telling everybody who is within four feet of her i love kendrick lavar and she's taylor swift yeah and you look at taylor Swift, you look at kendrick lavar and you're like Hmm. she likes this record and then i go to the, the the post or i go to the new york times or i go to the la times and they like the record too yeah yeah, I think right. I think what that keys into is, um, you know, everybody talks about how fractured culture is in the mm-hmm. social media age. Everybody's in, into their micro targeted, uh, their micro targeted genres and things like that. So when something does transcend the genre, there's I think a greater uh, greater FOMO out there than there ever has been before. And when you see every everything from all of your little niches saying like do this, mm-hmm. then people w- people will buy, people will listen just to not feel like they're missing out on the rare, the you know the rare event that uh, that transcends all of the uh, fractional like, fractions yeah, yeah, that yeah. we've got in our in our media culture. I noticed something uh, Monday morning. Uh, I was in New York this, earlier when it leaked, yeah, yeah. but. It was the only time I've seen on Spotify 
all of my friends listening to the same album <laughs> at the same and time. And that's, yes. that's what I'm trying to because as good as Good Kid, Mad City was, I think I like, think it really is the the advent of Spotify because if yeah. the album gets a lot of buzz and Kendrick is a brand name, Good Kid, Mad City was a huge hit. Right, right, right. He's had all the guest features. Black the Berry was you know it was a very it was an anticipated album and people knew it was dropping. He had the very slow, um, mysterious rollout of. He just released like the black cover. There was rumors it was gonna be called Untitled for a yeah. while. Yeah. And then when the album just drops mysteriously and then everyone's like going nuts and all the hot takes about how great it is. Like if it's sitting there right there for free in Spotify, I gotta see what's what is this about. <laughs> yeah. Then you hear it, you're like, Oh man, this is awesome. Right. It's just the, all, the ease of transmission is what yeah. makes it successful. Yeah. Yeah. All. Because although like you you said and actually I think you said, uh, like some people who listen to it are, are sort of threatened. By the aggressiveness of the album. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Like, Fuck them. No, <laughs> no, no. It's seriously, my favorite thing in the world, my favorite people to talk to are, are white people who are afraid of the, of the Kendrick album. There's, a, there's a, a group of my friends that I can lump together in a giant box and be like, these are all white people who are afraid of the Kendrick record. And these are all the same people that like turn their head when uh, Ferguson happened. And they all turn their head when anything that has happened with black people being angry in the last like 18 months. And I mean, that's a thing that people did. Like, mm-hmm. just in, like, real talk. Like, that's what people did. They are like, oh, my God. Like, people are mad. I don't know how to respond to this. So I'm just going to act like it didn't happen. And then this record comes out, and it's it's musical. It's 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 very rhythm and blues and soul-inspired and jazz-inspired. So it's musical. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll listen because it, it sounds nice. And then when Kendrick starts talking, you're just like, um, I don't know if I feel comfortable <laughs> listening to this record. Oh, exactly. it, it, it takes it takes exactly three seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the best part of the record. Oh my god. Okay, so I have a friend of mine who's like she's like married with like you know two point five kids in a you know like three car garage, and she put it on and she called me five minutes later, and she's like, I can't put. I had my children in the car going to school, listening to this record, and I had to turn it off. I go, oh, no, you can't do, you can't, like, do that. Like, right. Did she see the album cover? Like, <laughs> <laughs> She did, but she's like, you know, it's rap, so I don't know. And, you know, because there's so many things with, you know, people yeah. who are, like, generally like, okay, rap does a thing. Mm-hmm. And you just generally accept this is a thing that rap does. Like, okay, so there are a lot of angry black people on the cover, and like, is that, I think that's the president? Like, you know, like, whatever. Okay, so that, that's, what, that's what rap does. So, like, it's angry rap. Okay, I get that. But then, like when he starts talking, and it's like, or the the, the or the the album opens it, it's like, whoa, okay, all right, okay, well, all right, I'm yeah. just gonna. Well, it's, I think it was. Uh, I'm sorry, you guys probably read this too. I think it was uh, Remember Brown and the uh, the Grantland responses, where he said he just played that intro like 50 times <laughs> and realized he hadn't listened to the rest of the album. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's so it's it's weirdly like subversive, but at the same time, doing exactly what. The art form should be doing. Yeah, like people they, forgot that. Huh? People forgot what rap's supposed to do. Yeah. People forgot that rap. Okay, so like Chuck D says that rap is Black America CNN. Let's let's like pull that. Let's like extrapolate that. It's Black America CNN. Mm-hmm. Black America. Initially, this is not for all of America. This isn't for everyone. This is like Black America CNN. This is a space for Black people to sit down and have conversations about things that are really affecting Black people. And if you happen to be a white person and you listen. Well, then you're going to hear a lot of stuff about black people being mad about things that probably you're doing to them. So it's intentionally aggressive and very angry. And that's what rap is supposed to be at the start, like intentionally, like without any pretense of like apologizing for it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and there are no apologies on this. Record. Zero. Uh, on a last thing I want to touch on though is the the last track on this. I'm not going to play it because it's like twelve oh seven, but you can hear it. Uh, Mortal Man, uh, and it ties up this whole thing uh, with an interview with Tupac. Uh, I asked Marcus yesterday if that worked for him. Does it work for you guys? Like for the the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't. There's nothing on this album that really doesn't work. For yeah. Me, so, yes. <laughs> Andy, when I first heard about it, because um, I only listened to the first half of the album before I went to bed yeah. uh, Sunday night. Then when I woke up in the morning, people were talking. About, oh, there's an interview with Tupac that and that's he, how he spliced yeah. in, and the people were making the hologram jokes and everything. <laughs> and so this out it. The first time I heard it, it's a. It's a really long album. It's hard to digest in one yeah. sitting, particularly if you're trying to be part of a commute or something. It's mm-hmm. an album that demands your attention. It's an hour nineteen minutes. It's hour, yeah, mm-hmm. it fills up the whole album, CD. If you still use CDs, um, so the first time I listened to it, it it was kind of weird because you have the whole the first half. Of Mortal Man is talking about how. Um, Black culture, uh, black the communities are let down by their heroes, by Nelson Mandela, um, Malcolm X, um, Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and everything. He's like, eventually, something will happen to me. I will fuck up in some way. Mm-hmm. And he's released for a weak album, or I'll, I'll sell out or something. Will you accuse me of selling out? And then once I saw it in the context of the whole album and how Tupac, it was such a, an important figure for him. Having this conversation from beyond the grave is a bit uh, ghostly, a bit ghoulish, um, but it does fit. It does fit in the context of the album. The ground is going to open up and swallow the evil. Right. That's how I see it. My world is born. I see, and the ground is a symbol for the poor people. Right. The poor people is going to open up this whole world and swallow up the rich people. Because the rich people are going to be so fat and, and they're going to be so appetizing. You know what I'm saying? Wealthy. Appetizing. The poor going to be so hungry. poor and hungry. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like, you know what I'm saying? There might be some cannibalism out this month. <laughs> they might eat the rich. You know what I'm saying? All right, so let, let me ask you this then. Do you see yourself as... Somebody How the, the poem was building up over and over. Um, and it builds up to that. It builds up to that. And you see Tupac saying these things from 1994, which are just as prescient today yeah. about it's going to be murder, like stuff like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> like it, it, it fits well in the context of the mm-hmm. album. And having an album end on this, all a, a lot of songs of the album end with these extended outros. So you can't just throw it on like a Spotify playlist or else you'll have this 12-minute song. <laughs> like You'll have this like... Soliloquy by Tupac, like in between all your jams, like it, it, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool. The cool thing about Tupac, um, just in retrospect, when you think about Tupac in general now, that like, it, it's great. Number one, that people are talking about Tupac again, because Tupac is great because he's the first rapper that was like, this is all a joke. This mm. is all fraudulent and silly and ridiculous. But in the midst of all this fraudulent, silly ridiculousness, I'm going to say a whole bunch of things that are real. And it's going to be up to you to decide which of these things that I'm saying is real. Like he, he, he did hit him up, which was a song that was all about like, you know, how he like had sex with Faith Evans. Now, he did not have sex with Faith Evans, but he wrote a song to antagonize his rap right. enemy Rolling. to say, right. I had sex with your wife. 
Now, did I have sex with your wife? No, but I'm going to tell the entire rest of the world of people. He wasn't people, even hidden about it. He's pretty blunt. He's like, I fucked your bitch. <laughs> yeah, Biggie. You talked about yeah. faith. And I, love, I love the fact that, like, people, and he knew that, like, people who listened to rap in that era, who were like, this is like, more people listened to rap in that era than any other era to that date. And it's like, okay, so everybody's listening to my rap song. And on my rap song, in an era where everybody's listening to rap, I'm going to say I had sex with your wife. Oh, well. So it's funny because, like, when you get to Kendrick now, Kendrick puts out this ultra-serious record. And it's like, okay. And at the end of it, I'm going to talk to the guy who ultimately taught me about how to manipulate people into believing things and listening to things that people have to say on rap records. And interesting thing about this album is how he can get Dr. Dre, he can get Snoop Dogg, he can get Tupac, he can get um, all these uh, George Clinton, but he doesn't really have any of his contemporaries on his album. It's just a Kendrick Lamar focus. Except for Rhapsody. Except, yeah, he has, he has one. He has one. <laughs> one. Uh, and it's one. a woman. Yeah. It's a woman. And yeah, interesting that it's a woman. He doesn't, he could easily get another Drake feature or right. any of his buddies in. Um, yeah, uh, school Q. Yeah. Uh, but no, he doesn't. He's just, this is my album. This is my vision. I don't want to be. It, he, it almost seems like he purposely does not want to have a. A, a banger, a club banger, or yeah. a, a a simple song to put out like that. And I guess maybe King Kucha would be the next single. And even then, yeah. it's a like very aggressive, swaggering symbol. Right. But as long as you don't listen to it, like if you just hear it and reacting to the bass and stuff, mm-hmm. it's fine. And then, but that, and that's the genius of the entire fucking album. Because then you start listening to it and it's like, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I mean, the, yeah, the idea that he doesn't have any of these uh, guests on it. Uh, I think you you sort of nailed it. This is very specifically his statement, yeah. and by doing that, and, and like he's not playing the game. He's not. Uh, the reason I asked about like sales was because I am not confused, but I'm I'm wondering like who's actually buying this, and actually like sitting down and digesting it and listening to it. Because if I were a record exec and I had to sell this to somebody, like it'd be hard. Yeah, I think that the people, I think that it's funny, um, this, this ties into two points. I think everybody's buying it because you, you have to. Yeah. It's like that, it's like, it's like, Bob, because they it's, should. Like, it's like, but it's like Bob Marley's legend. <laughs> okay, when Bob Marley's legend came out on CD, everybody bought that record because it was just a thing that you had to buy. And again, you listen to the songs on Bob Marley's legend in the same way. It's like yeah. these like really powerful, like black empowerment songs, but. You're like, okay, this is the record that I am committed to buy because every single one of my friends owns this record in their collection. I will say that I think that the album cover is going to be on fewer dorm room posters. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, I also think that that's funny because um, it's intriguing in the sense that, like, we're the one thing I wanted to mention before, like, we we got here is that um, Kendrick's playing Sweet Life. Yeah, which is going to be the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Because um, it, it's going to be this moment where, like, and I, I can be totally blunt here, you're going to have drunk white kids dancing around to King Kunta. And it's the be- It's going to be the best mind-blowing moment of 2015 for me. It's like, he's going to stand on stage, and he's going to look out in his crowd, and he's going to have the biggest smile on his face, <laughs> talking all the shit in King Kunta, like, and all these drunk white kids are dancing and yeah. you know, throwing salads in the air, and it's like, <laughs> yes! And he's going to have this look, and he's going to talk the shit, and everybody's going to be like, yes, Kendrick, you're... Ooh. Oh, okay. Right, right. It sounds cool. All right. But I, yeah. I do actually, uh, and, and talking about the live thing, it's like you said you wanted to see this with a full band. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, there's two shows that I 
really the only two shows I care to see this year is this and D'Angelo's. And this needs a huge band. D'Angelo needs just a Saturday Night Live band, five people, mm-hmm. equally as powerful. But uh, so it remains to be seen, like, if he's going to do that. I, I don't know, like, him and a guy on the turntables would. No. No. I hope he gets Thundercat to go with them. Yeah. Well, yeah. He has a, the funny part is he has all these good studio musicians. So I think that, like, because they're studio musicians, they have a little bit of time on their hands. Mm-hmm. So they'd be able to, like, jump on a plane and come out and hang yeah. out and, you know, do the, do the set. Cause it's like, cause it's like all those guys, there's an article in billboard about all of the studio musicians and they're literally just like 25 year old dudes who hang out in LA and play mm-hmm. studio sets all the time. So, you know, this is a lot more fun than like sitting in a studio and playing on Justin Timberlake record, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, or, you know, go all-star, go grab Herbie Hancock. Like he's trying to be, uh, be more modern and relevant again. Oh, like go all grab those... the jazz all-stars. Oh, wow. That's a whole him. other take. I never thought of that, but all those guys are sitting around too. Yeah. Like Sonny Rollins is still, is and still it, around hanging out in upstate New York. I bet he'd come <laughs> out for it, this. And then actually, I think that would play into the theme of the album, like this, like sort of compendium of black history. And then you have, I mean, it's just, uh, if they did it at Grammy, if they did like a performance of something like this at the Grammys and they got like this like all star cavalcade of black musicians on stage doing this with Kendrick, that would be like. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Yeah. On on a lot of levels. Uh, on, on that note, uh, I think usually we rate albums here, but I, I don't even know. Like this is not this is just something I, I think it's necessary listening. I've sent it to my niece, who's like 14. I mean, you, you need to listen to this. You need to digest it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so just you know, put it in your fucking ears now. Uh, Marcus, thanks for coming back to these in Andy, good to meet you. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, Paul, I'm going to be a shit. So we'll talk to you in about a week. Thanks. And I love my heart. I want you looking at me. Tell me what you see. I love my heart. I put a bullet in the back of the back of the head. Frustration keep Come to the front. Come. Yeah, I duck these cold faces. Post up, feet rifle for basis. Dreams are reality's peace. Blow steam in the face of the beast. Sky can fall down. We can cry now. Look at me, motherfucker. I smile. I love my face. Uh, and when you're looking at me, uh, tell me what you see. I love my face. I put a bullet in the back of the back of the head. And I put me. I love my face. Uh, All y'all come to the front. Y'all come up to the front. Come on. Come on. Can <laughs> 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 <laughs>